Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Joe Stafford, The Candid Microphone, an interview with Connie Mack, and The Red Skelton Show. The Carnation Contented Hour was a long-running program on radio, featuring the musical talents of performers like Buddy Clark, Percy Face Orchestra, Victor Young, and, and on July 11, 1951, the star of the show was Joe Stafford. It's Carnation time, and I'm glad that I'm here with you to share them, with you to wear them, for now is the time. It's Carnation time again. Thank you, thank you very much, and it's good to be with you again. You know, when the 4th of July rolls around each year, it always reminds me of the wonderful times we used to have as kids. Colorful parades, patriotic speeches, picnics, and games and sports for young and old. The 4th is a great homecoming day, too. And no matter where you come from, I think this grand old song expresses a certain feeling that we all have. Back home again in Indiana. Back home again in Indiana And it seems that I can see The gleaming candlelight Still shining bright Through the sycamores for me The new moon sends all its fragrance From the fields I used to when I dream about the moonlight on the Wabash Then I long for my Indiana home During the 40s, a new invention, the wire recorder, was becoming popular. In New York, one man put it to use recording people's conversations using a wire recorder and a hidden microphone. 
Of course, now Alan Fund is known around the world with his famous television program and the slogan, Smile, You're on Candid Camera. But back in 1948, it was just the beginning. So now, here's the inquiring Alan Funt, who records, as he talks to people everywhere, the man with the hidden mic. Remember the days when a photographer said, uh, look at the birdie and smile pretty? Well, in radio, that still happens, but not on this program. We want people to be themselves, so we hide our microphone. We don't want posing or showing off. And what's more... You wouldn't be angry with a photographer who used any method to get his subject natural. So don't be too hard on us if we do the same. And by the way, don't think that every secret recording we make is usable. Uh, We wish you could hear some that we throw out, but we're afraid they're a little too candid. Now here's our narrator who will tell you a little something about each of the secretly made recordings captured this week by the candid microphone. Listeners have been offering welcome suggestions about the candid microphone. Your comments have certainly been candid. One man says, you're a fake. Others say, give us more. You have suggested places and situations and devices for hiding the mic. But most of you have asked, what do people say when they find out you have secretly recorded their conversation? Well, the truth is there are as many different reactions as there are people. Some are furious, and some are silent. But most people are, well, kind of nice about it. But then you can never tell about people, and that's what keeps the candid microphone so curious. We stopped a young fellow the other day with nothing more in mind than to show you the entire operation from start to finish. And here's what's happened. Uh, Would you just give me a small voice test? Just say, how now, brown cat? What's going to cost me? No, I I don't want to. No, as a matter of fact, it might be profitable to you. Yeah, yeah, sure. That, that'll be profitable. Well, yeah. won't you try it just for the sake of the experiment? How now, brown cow? Just say it very clearly. Oh, come on. Don't make me... No, no, no. Please, sir. Just try it. it you've done... Just, just I'm not interested. Supposing I tell you something? could make some real money at it. I don't no, know. wait a second, sir. Just how now, brown cow? What's going to be so right. hard about it? All right. So how, what do you, say what, it once. to you? Just say it How once. do you know... Oh, now, brown cow. All right, that's perfect. That's fine. That's well. I want to tell you that you have just made a record of your voice. Oh, cut it. Now, listen. Well, look at here's a microphone. Look, make make sense, honestly. Well, look at the microphone right here. I have recorded every word you said. You see the wire? It leads out here and down the street. Look at that parked car over there. There's a wire recorder in it, and we've just recorded every word that you said. Did you ever hear of a program called uh, The Candid Microphone? Well, I don't think you have. You're on the level, huh? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, what's the deal now? I mean... Well, uh, we just wanted to see how an ordinary person would sound if we made a record of that one. Is going on the air or something? No kidding? Well, if you let us, it will. Yeah, well, gee, if... if, uh, No, I'd like to know. (laughs) That'd be swell. uh, Well, if you you let us use... I'm sorry, I uh, was such... You know, I didn't mean... (laughs) Well, that's all right. I understand completely. uh, But if you could let me know, that'd be a a swell thing. Gee, I'd I'd like to to hear that. You really... No, put it on the air. Well, we might. We'll listen to it and see how it sounds. I didn't say anything wrong, did I? Would you like to hear it? Did I... Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Can I hear it back? Yeah, wait just a second. Well, we played the record for him once and then five more times at his insistence. And finally, we had to promise him a copy for his family record album. 
Radio has always served the sports fan with graphic descriptions of championship fights, Rose Bowl football games, baseball's World Series, and to this day, the American Forces Radio and Television Service, broadcast by shortwave, live and direct to servicemen around the world, pickups of all major sporting events. In July 1950, Mr. Baseball Connie Mack appeared as a guest on the radio. During his lifetime, Connie Mack became one of the greatest managers in baseball history. Mr. Mack was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1937 and served as owner-manager of the Philadelphia Athletics from 1901 until he retired in 1950. In July of that same year, Mr. Mack discussed some of the highlights of his life with Tony Wetzel at Chicago's station WBBM. Tony Mack, uh, where you started your baseball career, where the other team brought nine coffins for your team when they showed up to play? Well, uh, that was, uh, Tony, that was... Uh... East Brookfield, and uh, we, uh, East Brookfield, Massachusetts, and uh, we, uh, uh, the North Brookfield Club came down. Uh, we uh, had won more games than they had won, and lost the same number. But they decided that uh, we would uh, play off the championship in, uh, in Central Massachusetts, uh, amateur baseball at that time, and. Uh, so that they uh, brought down nine, uh, nine coffins to bury the East Brookfield team. <laughs> but uh, they went back uh, defeated by a score of two to one. And uh, the umpire, the uh, umpire who umpired that day, why, uh, was uh, named uh, Tilden. And he umpired all the games uh, between uh, Harvard and Yale, and uh, Yale and, uh, and Princeton and, uh, and Harvard. And uh, so uh, that he asked me uh, uh, one day, uh, asked me at the t uh, time of the game if I wanted to play uh, uh, professional baseball. And I told him that I did. And, uh, but I never heard from him. But I did hear from uh, uh, Meriton, Connecticut, and uh, which I went there. And uh, we played against the uh, uh, Yale... Uh, 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 freshman team and uh, and uh, we uh, our pitching was uh, uh, very good that day and they made the catcher look uh, very good and I caught that day and uh, he, uh, he struck out 21 players and uh, uh, so that uh, the catcher looked uh, very good and the uh, and the catcher moved on up into the big leagues huh? see I see after uh, one year in Meriden I then went to Hartford and in the second year in Hartford, I uh, went with uh, five other players uh, to uh, Washington uh, in the National League. And uh, they paid uh, the sum of uh, $3,500 for the five of us, which is uh, $700 apiece <laughs> that they played for the players. In 1941, a comedian by the name of Red Skelton moved into the top ten on the Hooper ratings, and his radio show held that position for more than ten years. As a matter of fact, history repeated itself, and at last report, Red Skelton is still rated in the top ten on television. Here's a portion of the Red Skelton show during the latter part of 1952. The Red Skelton Radio Show. With Red Skelton, David Rose, and his orchestra, the Reen title, Pat McGeehan and the Smith Twins will be me, Rod O'Connor.
Now the star of our program, the man with the station wagon physique and the convertible face. <laughs> MGM's clown, Red Skelton. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Hiya, Rod. Hiya, Red. Say, boy, what happened to your car? It really looks beat up. Yeah, I was going to have it uh, repainted <laughs> and get a new top, but then I ran into some material shortages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what material? Money. <laughs> money? Yeah, money. Oh, yes, I've been working for you so long, I almost forgot what that was. That wasn't it. <laughs> But, uh, about your car, uh, how'd you get it banged up so much in the first place? Well, I took it to one of those downtown parking lots. You know those places where they take your car for a down payment as the parking fee? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I drove onto the lot and I asked the guy to be careful about denting my car. And he really was. They're the nicest dents you've ever seen. <laughs> Lucky he didn't damage the, uh, the engine. The what? <laughs> <laughs> Lucky what? Yeah, but my, I've got a hangnail and it covers the words here. <laughs> I says, I, I'm lucky he didn't damage the engine. Oh. <laughs> it was okay when I took it out of the trunk. <laughs> well, in a case like that, aren't they liable? I... I said, in a case like that, aren't they liable? Yeah, if you say anything about it, they're liable to do it again. <laughs> Well, the way I heard it, you pulled in, parked in the center of the lot, and walked away with the keys. Now, don't you think a thing like that irritates the parking lot attendants? It helps. Huh? <laughs> when I got back into the car, I found it was I was parked in the last row. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I missed something here. Wait a minute. <laughs> I messed up this one. Yes, you did. I forgot to say that it was five feet across, and it was three feet deep. Three hundred feet oh. deep. <laughs> this writing's so close to the paper, it's so... <laughs> Say it was five feet across and 300 feet deep? 500, uh, five feet across <laughs> yeah. and 300 feet deep, yes. Uh, well, that sounds like an alley. Maybe that's why that truck kept going through unscrambling cars. <laughs> <laughs> Say, how'd you ever get your car out from behind all those others? Oh, it was easy. I shifted into the reverse, then I give her the gun, and I backed out about 60 miles an hour, and I maneuvered it all around, see, all around the other cars, yeah. and finally got out without a scratch. Did all this actually happen, Red? Yeah. It was the dream I had while I was being pulled out of the wreck. <laughs> I kind of feel bad about it because I'd planned to drive the car to Washington, D.C. the next vacation. Well, why Washington? Well, my mother brought me up never to squander money, so I, where else could I learn how not to do it? <laughs> that ain't what it says, but it will have to do. <laughs> you liked Washington, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah, it's really a wonderful city. Gleaming white buildings in the Treasury Department... Broad avenues in the Treasury Department. <laughs> Beautiful memorials in the Treasury Department. <laughs> Huge new... No, 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 just a minute. The Treasury Department Let me seems... mention the Pentagon, will oh. you? <laughs> and the Treasury Department. Yes. The Treasury Department seems to have made quite an impression on you. Annually. <laughs> hey, you know, I took my uncle in where they, where they're making money. Yeah. And when he saw the um, printing of the, uh, the money on that press, he says, How do you like the dirty crooks? They're stealing my idea. <laughs> me hold a ten thousand dollar bill in my hand really yeah of course my feet was nailed to the floor <laughs> well now shall we tell some jokes <laughs> <laughs> 
Say, where'd you stay the last time you were there, Ed? I stayed at the Statler Hotel. That's a pretty classy place. Oh, yeah. Did you have a suite? Mm-hmm. I say it was a pretty classy place. Did you have a suite? No, I took my wife with me. Oh. <laughs> Boy, I never saw a place so worried about politics. Everyone's trying to predict the next election. Well, that isn't so hard. Yeah. Hey, who do you think will win the election? The Democrats or Republican? Eisenhower. I still... <laughs> well, my question hasn't been answered yet. <laughs> Our final chapter is entitled A Boy and His Dog, starring Junior, the Mean Widow Kid. Junior, where are you? I'm upstairs, Mommy. Where? Oh, I'm glad there's only one of you. Go outside and play with your tricycle. No, okay. I like to ride like a cowboy. Look at me go. Whee! I am a daredevil boy. Ride faster, faster. Right through that mud puddle. Here I go. Whee! Boop! Who put that rock in there? <laughs> hey, look across the street there. <laughs> look at that. The little puppy dog. Here, come, little dog boy. You're so cute. Where'd you get that short tail? Looks like somebody gave you a GI tail haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you nice? <laughs> You know, I always wanted a widow dog like you, but Pop would never let me have one. He was afraid it would bark when he had him when he sneaked in at night and wake up Mummy, you know. <laughs> Uh-oh, here comes Mr. Fowler, that big tattletale. Well, Junior, hello, hello, hello. Oh, shut up. <laughs> hey, how'd you like me dog? Well, I didn't know you had a dog. Neither just me Mummy. Oh, Junior... Did you know that that little dog has no license? What's that mean? Well, the dog catcher picks up little pups without licenses. Well, then I will buy him a license. Well, they cost $2. Then you will buy him a license. <laughs> but why should I pay the $2? He's not my animal. Well, I tell you what, I'll sell him to you for $2 and then steal him back. <laughs> That's silly. You'll have the money for the dog tag, but you won't have your dog. I'll get the dog back. Don't worry. <laughs> I can whistle, you know. I can whistle. Why, that'd be cheating. You wouldn't do a thing like that, would you? He talked like a new man around here. <laughs> Uh-oh, here comes Fatso O'Connor. <laughs> Mount Whitney on legs. <laughs> Hi, Fatso. Well, Junior, uh, where did you get the dog? Me mummy gave him to me, because she don't know nobody here. <laughs> Now, be careful. He might bite you. He ain't seen that much meat in a long time. Well, I think we should report this hound to the city pound. Yes, it may be.